My name's Nathan Murphin. I'm joined with Joshua Roberts and Rachel, 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 I get your name wrong so much. Joshua Roberts and Rachel Nothnagel. Did I say that right this time? Yes. Okay. <laughs> let's 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 iron this out now that I've already pushed the record sure. button. Nothnagel no. or Nothnagel? No, think of it as two words pushed together. Nothnagel. Yeah, there's no a uh, nagel. So it's, there's three syllables. Yeah, my brothers say broth bagels. That helps you remember. <laughs> That's fine with me. <laughs> broth bagels. Wow. Broth bagel. <laughs> I can clip that middle part. I think, I think you should just start the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, over. just restart. Oh, barely even in. It's, there. it's fine. Yeah, just no. restart. I like, I like this. I like this <laughs> candid talk. Okay, this is good. good. This will be funny. <laughs> Welcome to Sing the Word, a podcast that explores and promotes gospel-centered, biblically-rich congregational songs for the church. My name is Nathan Murphin. I'm joined with my co-hosts, Joshua Roberts, Rachel Nothnagel. Today, we're going to be talking on the discussion of songs that uh, we claim, (laughs) songs that wrecked our faith, but for good. Now, for those of you that uh, saw our title and instantly labeled us deconstructionists, uh, let me clarify here. None of us are deconstructing our Christian faith as I speak right now. All of us are um, following Christ. We believe the Word of God. We're very much not deconstructionalists. So when we say songs that wrecked our faith for good, we mean that in the most positive sense. We want to talk about and give you kind of a glimpse into our own hearts of songs that have spiritually impacted each of us on an individual level um, and songs that have done so in a way that has grown and more um, in a more grounded way rooted our understanding of God in Scripture. So what we're going to do today is a little different. We're going to go around the table. Each of us are going to present a song that we, quote, say, say, quote, wrecked our faith for good. Um, we're going to start with Rachel and then go to Joshua, and then we'll end with me. So we each have one hymn slash song that we're going to go over, and uh, we hope it's uh, beneficial for you guys, and uh, you guys get um, little nuggets of wisdom out of it. So um, anything you guys want to say before we start for establishing? Nope, I'm good. No? Good? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, well, um, I'll save the songs we're going to do, and I'll say who's doing who. Rachel said that she's going to be going over the hymn, Jesus, Savior, Pilot Me by Edward Hopper. Uh, so she'll be talking about that. Uh, Joshua said he's going to be going over the rat, the mat, the rats, <laughs> going over the rat. <laughs> the Heart of Worship by Matt Redman. Thank you, brother. Yes, that's it. I will be going through Shane and Shane's song called Though You Slay Me. And it's actually not just Shane and Shane's song, but we'll talk about that when it's my turn. So Rachel... Jesus, Savior, pilot me. Let's hear it. Yeah, before I read the lyrics to this hymn, I just want to give you a little bit of a background of how it came to be. The author of it is Edward Hopper. He lived in the 1800s. He was a pastor, an author, a poet. Um, He actually wrote several books of his own. Um, He pastored a church on Long Island, and it was a church for sailors. So he ministered to people um, working on the docks, working on different ships, and his whole ministry um, was to reach those in that particular place. And so this was a song that he wrote for those people, uh, which I find really special. So here it is. 
Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. Unknown waves before me roll, hiding rock and treacherous shoal. Chart and compass come from thee. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. As a mother stills her child, thou can hush the ocean's wild. Boisterous waves obey thy will when thou sayest to them, be still. Wondrous sovereign of the sea, Jesus, Savior, pilot me. Mm. When at last I near the shore and the fearful breakers roar, twixt me long and peaceful rest, then while leaning on thy breast, may I hear thee say to me, fear not, I will pilot thee. Like I said, this was written by a man ministering to sailors. Um, and I find a lot of spiritual significance in this song. Um, in the first verse, it's setting the tone for what the, the reader um, is going through on life's tempestuous sea. Um, and it shows that Christ is the one who is piloting or steering their ship of life. So not only is this Jesus my Savior, I'll make it personal, um, he is my pilot, and not only is he part of the Godhead, the Trinity, he cares for me and for you individually. Um, as, as his sheep, he cares for us. So he is my Savior, yes, but he doesn't leave me as, after rescuing me from my sin. He is my pilot always from then on. Um, so I kind of want to talk about what does a pilot do um, and of course, this is talking about uh, ships, and so God steers me. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> I'll hit it so it doesn't do it again, hopefully. Okay. There we go. So what does a pilot do? <laughs> he steers the ship, so God steers me over life's tempestuous sea, so a stormy sea, the things that we go through, the turbulence of life. And isn't that a good description of what we go through on a daily basis? the unknown waves of life, um, the uncertainty that we face, and our unknown future, but we trust our unknown future to a known God. And so that chart and compass come from him. So uh, we know that a compass is used to figure out where you are and where you're going. Mm -hmm. All direction and being finds itself in Christ. I think of Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our being. I also think of Mark 4, the story of how Jesus was on a boat with some of his disciples, and they start kind of freaking out. <laughs> there was a storm coming. Um, and Alistair Begg says this um, about, about that story. He says, There is no one better suited to deal with any predicament that you or I face than the master whom the disciples found asleep on a cushion. Mm -hmm. And so when we are with Christ, when he is he is the one controlling our lives sovereignly. Um, we can rest in that. Um, another author that I enjoy is Richard Sibbs, and in his book, The Bruised Reed, he wrote, his presence, so Christ's presence, makes any condition comfortable. And I think that you could even substitute the word comfortable to tolerable. <laughs> Sometimes we're not comfortable, but because of Christ, uh, we can face anything that we face. Um, and so back to the hymn, uh, the second verse is um, showing God as a parent. So as a mother stills her child, you can hush the ocean's wild. Um, just as a mother has compassion on her needy and dependent child, just as she soothes that child with her familiar voice, we can go to Christ for that assurance and that peace. 
Think of Isaiah 26, 3. It says he keeps us in perfect peace when our minds are fixed on him. We see in the Gospels that Jesus commands the winds and the waves to obey him. He can hush any ocean, any storm, Mm -hmm. every wave, the literal wave in the story, (laughs) but also the symbolic one that we face every day. Um, Everything comes under the submission um, to God, our Father in heaven. So everything is in his hands. I also think of creation, just when God created the earth, everything obeyed his voice. Um, And so I can trust God as my Savior when I'm facing something hard. Um, And then the third third verse... um, is continuing on that line of peace and leaning on God. Um, we don't use the word twixt, so T-W-I-X-T. Um, Candy. <laughs> yeah, chocolate. Uh, <laughs> no, there's, <laughs> there's another uh, kind of updated version of this hymn um, that says, uh, grant me long and peaceful rest still while leaning on your chest. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I just, I love that so much, this picture of, Whatever we face in life, because um, we we do face hard things every day, um, and they're different from one another. So whatever we're facing, we can lean on the Lord, who is the one steering our ship. And what does He say? He says, "Fear not." Mm-hmm. Over and over again in the Gospels, and He says, "Fear not. I will pilot thee." Um, and as I face hard things, a diagnosis, um, family issues, uh, various things in my life that God has um, willed that I go through. Um, I I do think of this song, how Christ is my pilot, no matter what happens. Josh, do you have any like final things you want to add on that song that you have, or, or yeah. Josh or me? <laughs> well, I I will say that I'm not very familiar with this song, yeah. um, and I I love the lyrics here, and and I I can't help but also think of um, "Be Still My Soul," mm-hmm. the waves and winds still, still know. Mm-hmm. The voice that uh, ruled them, them while, while, he while he dwelt below, <laughs> and and it, it it says similar things there in verse two. You know, when thou sayest to them, "Be still," um, so I, I love this, and I'm looking forward to to getting to know it more and more. So, mm-hmm. I one thing I like about this hymn, Rachel, is the progression it makes from verse one to two to three. Mm-hmm. It starts more broad with Jesus as Savior over the storm. He hushes the storm. He's the sovereign. And then that last verse progresses to Mm. the personal. May I hear thee say to me as he, as I lay on his chest or on his breast, as the hymn says, quote, fear not, I will pilot thee. That's, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Progresses. Yeah. Cause it it starts off as a prayer, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's It's the hope. I'm waiting now to hear you say Mm -hmm. uh, the answer to my prayer that Mm -hmm. you will pilot. I think it really shows our need. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. we feel like, or I have in my life, like, oh, everything's fine, everything's good. I'm, I, I am choosing what I do, what I, what I don't do. I'm in control. And then he brings us something like a wave in the sea, um, to then call us back to himself. Mm-hmm. And so it reminds me of why we go through trials, mm-hmm. so we can see who's actually sovereignly working for good and for his own glory. Mm-hmm. It's good. All right, let's move on now to Josh's song, The Heart of Worship by Matt Redman. Yeah, so um, this is an older contemporary mm-hmm. song, and and I wonder if there's a place for it right now in the in the church. I don't know. Um, 
you know, it, it seems a, we were talking earlier about um, kind of some songs that sometimes seem a little bit cheesy to us now. And, and sometimes I think that I feel that way about this. But mm-hmm. when it first came out, mm-hmm. um, it, it truly did wreck me. Um, yeah. it, 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 it made me stop and oh, think. Yeah. And, and I, was, I was jarred with, um, with thoughts that I'd never had before. So the Heart of Worship, um, I'll give a little bit of a backstory on it as well. Um, this pastor, the preaching pastor in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, at a church in England, um, felt like that there was something going on that was just spiritually flat. Um, there was something in the services. There was a lot going on mo- modern worship music. They were the the leaders in a lot of that, but they felt like that he felt like that there was something that was inauthentic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he pulled the plug. Like he basically said, we're getting rid of the sound system for a while. Um, there's not going to be anything but voices. And um, they they did that for, for I, I think, a month where they just um, did not have anything. And, and my understanding was that the first week or so, they just kind of stood there in silence um, for a little while after they were told this is what's going to, I don't know, it was, it was very um, bold of him mm-hmm. to do that, but he felt like that there was something that needed to be um, done to to bring back some authenticity to the worship. And so Matt Redman figured out this um, this song, Heart of Worship, and he led it with just a guitar. And, and um, so the first time I heard it was uh, probably 98, 99, um, that might have been when it first came out. I don't know. Um, I know it came out not not very long um, on a CD after that. Um, probably '99 actually was when it came out. Uh, the Heart of Worship was a CD that Mad Redman put out. Mm-hmm. But um, well, let me read read part of it, and then I'll kind of get into what I want to talk about. Um, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. Mm -hmm. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And then he goes on in the next verse, King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours every single breath. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. I'm sorry for the thing that I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. So um, mm-hmm. this was, I'm going to kind of, I'm the old guy here because um, I graduated in 1998 and um, grew up in a church where um, where our worship was very truth-centric, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Um, and I think that that's part of just my my background um too and and kind of how what brings us together in this podcast mm-hmm. we're we're very much so seeking out to be truth centric in our worship but i encountered um a very spirit centric worship when i went off to um college mm-hmm. um and and we sometimes use a derogatory word to to talk about that emotional worship mm-hmm. but it's not always bad um but mm-hmm. i i, I I experienced something new. Um, these, these, the way that the services flowed, the way that you could hear everyone singing out the harmonies, um, and just kind of making it up as they go. They weren't necessarily following the notes in the hymnal. They were, they were singing harmonies um, at the top of their lungs, you know, um, and uh, and 
I, and then here comes this song um, that is talking about strip all that away. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I'll tell you the truth is that when it when I when I went into that, I actually developed a little bit of a pride. Um, you know, having these emotional experiences that other people didn't seem to get. They didn't seem to get this this thing. And here we go with when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come. And so I really struggled then um, with, well, what is what is worship? What is the heart of worship? And this song made me made me think through that. Um, and and I went through different places. I actually, Talk, you talked at the beginning about deconstruction of your faith. Um, you know, thankfully, mm-hmm. um, I had been taught that when you kind of have a crisis of faith and you don't know what the answers are, that you should go to the, the Word of God, and that's where I went. Um, mm-hmm. I first started with Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, which me being a recent graduate, I had been told many times, you know, twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you. But um, exile. I yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> actually says. But 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 through exile, plans to prosper you, that's plans right. to give you hope in uh-huh. the future, and um, and then that last that last little part part of there, verse thirteen. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I was focused on about the the emotional thing, but I also um, saw in John four. John 4 is the story of the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And um, to be quite honest with you, uh, this verse and this song helped to shape how I do worship ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, this this verse in John 4, uh, where the woman meets, where he meets the woman at the well. And um, it's interesting because she, she says, you know, she perceives that he's a prophet and says, um, I, I think we know what worship's about. Our fathers worshiped here on this mountain, but you say that you know what it's about. Um, uh, so almost like that spirit and truth thing, um, arguing with each other in my mind, and I found a lot of uh, truth here. So he says, you know, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in the Jerusalem where you worship the Father, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Um, and then he he says, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And um, I, I don't know, this this song just helped me to understand that um, there has to be something going on deep in me mm-hmm. um, with my emotions as well, mm-hmm. but it's all based on the truth. Emotions mm-hmm. without the truth is 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 no good, um, and truth without the emotions is no good. And I really had to go. I actually played this um, over and over. I put it on repeat on my uh, Windows 98 desktop <laughs> computer and um, played it softly in my dorm room. And every time I would come in, I, I would just kind of be overwhelmed with this um, seeking desire in my heart of what what is this all about um, and what, what would happen if everything was uh, stripped away? Would I still have a faith? Would I still have, if, if all the noise were canceled out, would I still encounter um, the presence of God? Do I need all this um, stuff around me? And I, I had to come to a place where I was on my knees and I said, I'm sorry, Lord, I've, I've not understood this. And I think that I still have to come to that place often as a worship minister. 
as a worship pastor, um, where I, I I remind myself, you know, this is this is about exalting Christ, making much of Him, and and all of this is is the vehicle to get us to that. Um, I tell the instrumentalists sometimes, you know, it's important that we not play so loud because we we're it we've got to focus in on letting people be heard, the congregation be heard, um, singing their their praises to the Lord. Um, because it is it, it is so much deeper than anything that um, that I think we can understand or, or fathom. Um, uh, anyways, Matt Raman wrote it as a way to kind of help his church understand uh, what the essential part of worship was, and 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 I think out of the out of this song also was birthed some other songs, um, which another one that was very meaningful to me. Um, early on in my ministry was um, this is the air I breathe and um, mm-hmm. and it, and then it says your very word um, this is my daily bread your very word spoken to me and again that balance of spirit and truth the air I breathe um, your your very word spoken to me so anyways I, I, I don't really know I mean I think that the song speaks for itself um, but but just that idea of of staying at the heart of worship, and um, this is something that's on the Desiring Guide website, mm-hmm. talking about this um, this actual song. The heart of worship is our heart delighting in Jesus and expressing praise to Him for the true things the Scripture teaches us about who He is and what He has accomplished for us. It is then all about Him, not us. It involves us, but we're at the periphery. He's at the center. He's the focus. It's his commands we consider first, not our preferences. And Redmond's song is about refocusing and recentering and reminding ourselves why we worship and who we worship. Yeah, that's good. Rachel, any like concurring thoughts with Joshua on his song that you had? Yeah, that second verse, the ending always sticks out to me. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours mm. every single breath. I think mm. that's a good reminder of who we are and then what God deserves. So yeah. even though we have nothing, I'm still going to bring mm-hmm. the, the little I have to Christ. That's good. Um, that's good. Mm-hmm. I uh, I also appreciate... Um, uh, Joshua, you mentioned the the time it was written, so 1999, mm-hmm. and I don't want to generalize eras of music, but we've talked about on other episodes how, you know, kind of that, I uh, hate to date everything, but 70s, 80s, 90s, praise chorus era, you know, some of it was good, but some of it was very emotional or very not biblically based, some yeah. of it, and, and, you know, maybe it would quote scripture or or do it a little bit, but it was it was more. It was sentimental s- and nostalgic, could but be, yeah. it wasn't always spiritual. Uh, that's a good way. Yeah. So I think coming in writing this in ninety eight, ninety nine, kind of towards the end of that and the beginning of what you know contemporary worship, this is kind of a shift, a pivot mm-hmm. point he's making away from the the self focus in worship. Mm-hmm. I love that part in the chorus that says, I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. How many songs say that? You know, I mean, uh, there's some Psalms that say, um, I'm sorry for my sin. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but um, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it when it's all about you. Mm-hmm. 
It's all about mm-hmm. you, Jesus. I love that that honesty that he uses. That pre-chorus too. Um, a song in itself is not what you have required. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's so easy to get in the mindset of, well, we sing because that's what we do. Yeah, that's just what we've always done. So mm-hmm. that's what we do. But God doesn't require a song; He wants us. Our hearts, yeah, mm-hmm. He wants our hearts. And it reminds me of a passage in uh, in Amos, of all things, Amos chapter five, um, where the Lord is frowning upon Israel's injustices and how they treat others and and how their worship is conducted. And Amos five twenty three and twenty four, it says this. Take away from me the noise of your songs. Mm. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. Mm. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. It's very firm words from God to Israel, but I think that has some applicability in that song too. Cool. All right, well, I will go on to my song. Um, I I like... I like the songs that we picked because Rachel, yours was an older hymn. Josh was kind of that the beginning phases of the contemporary era, so yeah. like nineties. Yep. yep, and uh, and this one is the most modern of them all. But I realized that this song has actually been around for over ten years now, more like twelve years now. Um, it's almost as old as my song. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Yeah, my song is Though You Slay Me um, by Shane and Shane. Uh, Shane and Shane are the ones who popularized it, but let me pull this up real quick. There was actually some other co-authors that I should have written down beforehand. Um, They're on the bottom there. of the. Oh, they're there. They are there. Okay, yeah, so so Shane's uh, wife, probably not at the time, maybe at the time, but Bethany, I think Dylan was her maiden name, Bethany Bernard, uh, Brian Woods, and also Lauren Chandler. That's uh, Matt Chandler's wife. And if I'm remembering correctly, I can't remember exactly, maybe this was afterwards, but this is probably written around the time when Matt Chandler had his brain tumor. Oh. I think he had it right around the turn of 2010-ish, maybe. I, I don't remember. But anyway, so it's written by um, Bethany Bernard, Brian Woods, Joshua Moore, Lauren Chandler, and Shane Bernard. But I'll go ahead and read the full text here. I come, God, I come. Return to the Lord, the one who's broken, the one who's torn me apart. You struck down to bind me up. You say you do it all in love, that I might know you in your suffering. I'll go down to verse 2. My heart and flesh may fail. The earth below give way. But with my eyes, with my eyes, I'll see the Lord. Lifted high on that day, behold, the lamb that was slain, and I'll know that every tear was worth it all. The chorus, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. Then the bridge, though tonight I'm crying out, let this cup pass from me now. You're still all that I need. You're enough for me. You're enough for me. And then it goes on to the chorus once more. So a very raw song. Um, and for me, it had a propound for me, it had a profound impact on my understanding of God. And 
was really a gateway uh, introduction to me under or investigating for my own self um, theodicy, the problem of evil, uh, the questions of why can a good God allow suffering? You know, those, those preliminary questions that everyone has um, and we can't escape. Um, and I kind of, I really didn't explore this until I got to college. Um, I heard this song for the first time, probably on YouTube, but also once in a college worship service. And um, I remember it just kind of, it didn't profoundly impact me the first time I heard it. I was like, okay. But the more I listened to it, I remember my summer job, this was one song um, I had on repeat in my ears as I was picking up golf balls at Swing Right uh, Driving Range. That was my summer job in 2017. And this was one song that I played over and over again. But what what struck me about this song was the tension that it kind of left. And I think it's done that intentionally because you think about, obviously, the text of this has so much, so many allusions to the book of Job. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read several verses from Job and also the Psalms and one from Isaiah. Um, but starting from that very beginning, Lord, I come, I come, I return to the Lord, the one who's broken, the one who's torn me apart. Um, to th- for me, I had not ever encountered God in his fullness of the fact that he is not just the God who blesses, who has good feelings about you because you're his and he saved you, forgiven you, you have your sins, and you're going to be in heaven with him one day. You know, that was kind of the theology of my mind um, in my upbringing, and I wouldn't discard that for anything, but I never truly addressed the God who sends the waves, like your song talks about, Rachel, or um, sends the the disaster, sends the disease, sends the suffering. <laughs> I had never encountered God in that dimension, and that was a huge huge deal for me, a very humbling um, deal for me, kind of like your song, Taking Our Eyes Off of Ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Redmond's song. This one did that for me. Um, one verse that this alludes to is Isaiah um, 42, verse 3. Um, Rachel, you mentioned you're reading Richard Sibbs. You'll recognize this. <laughs> um, this is Isaiah 42, 3. A bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. So the beauty of that is the Lord. I, I hear that and think, I come to the come to the very person, God, who has has torn me apart by this suffering in my life. But he but in this promise of Isaiah, we see that God still receives what we bring, though it be just a flickering, faintly dim um, light a little bit of faith, a mustard seed, we're broken, but he won't despise the broken reed. I love that. And it goes on, you strike down to bind me up. You say that you do it all in love, <laughs> that I might know you in your suffering. So that that re- reminds me a lot of Philippians 3, again, of the, the suffering that, that we might share in the sufferings of Christ, that we might know him more and more and more because of sharing and suffering. And, and to be honest, guys, I, I feel a little bit of guilt bringing this song because in, in retrospect, my life has not been marked by a lot of suffering. I've had a, 
a pretty easy life. <laughs> not that there's not been tragic things or, um, you know, sin issues or family tensions or sad, you know, sad laments going on around me. But personally, I've had a fairly easy life, God willing, you know, up to this point, but who knows what the Lord may have coming my way. And I almost treat this song like that. Maybe it's maybe God's being gracious to me of giving me this song as a profound truth to hang on to because something's coming later down the road. But I know um, like I, people around me are going through immense suffering, immense pain, you know, physical, whatever that may be. My, my wife, she um, has an autoimmune disease called lupus, uh, so we deal with the daily effects of that. Rachel, I know you've gone through several, several different things. Um, there's suffering all around us. People go through hardships, um, and it, and it's not just in the sense just of 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 health, but also family and um, but the fact that God is sovereignly working over all of these things, the things that look like the very opposite of what God would use to make me know Him better, <laughs> but He uses it all for His glory and for my good, that I might know You in my in in Your suffering. Yeah. There's such profound, just in that first verse. I'm going to read some passages from Job. Uh, I think the heart of, of this song, Though You Slay Me, comes from Job 13, verse 15. It says this, plainly, Though you slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. <laughs> Very interesting. It's. Um, I won't go too much into the 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 dispute over the words in that there there's a really good ask pastor john podcast actually that goes over that verse and it talks about how um interpreters have debated what is the best translation for those hebrew words in that sense but i'll let, i'll let you go look up look look up that episode on your own uh, so though you though you slay me yet i will hope in him and then also i think uh job chapter no look too far. Not Nehemiah, not Esther. Here we go. Job chapter 2, when Job is talking to his wife who tells him to uh, curse God and die. <laughs> um, then it says in, in 2 verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? And all that Job did, uh, in, in all this Job did not sin with his lips. So, coming to the understanding that God doesn't just bring good things, but also brings what we would say is bad things. I'd never, I'd never come to grips with that in, in, the, in, in the Bible and in my own faith. Going on to verse 2, um, this is, oh, I don't know, I can't say a favorite. This is one of, my, one of my favorite spots in the song. My heart and my flesh may fail. Okay, so that's Psalm 73. The earth below give way. Here's that hope. With my eyes, though, with my eyes, I'll see the Lord uh, lifted up on that day. Behold the lamb that was slain, and I'll know that every tear was worth it all. I'll know it was worth it all when I see him. <laughs> um, reminds me of Job again. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Old Testament. Um says this in Job 19, 
verse 25, for I know that my Redeemer lives. I'll stop there because, you know, we, we <laughs> George Friedrich Handel used that as one of his post-resurrection psalms in Handel's Messiah. <laughs> so, I mean, he took it, you know, in a Christocentric way. But when we think of Redeemer, you know, in Job, he was thinking about not, he you know, he didn't have Christ in front of him or Christ behind him to look back to. He was thinking of God, the Father, as his Redeemer, meaning his Redeemer, the one who would vindicate him of all the of all that he had gone through and and be, and would come to his defense in the end. So that's what's meaning when it says at Redeemer. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And here's where it ties to the song. And my eyes shall behold and not another. I love that. That's so raw but truthful and hopeful about looking through the sufferings, the laments, the hard times of this life that we bear and looking to the hope of seeing God and it being worth it all and that God does work all things for good for those according to, called according to his purposes, uh, as Matthew 8.28 says. And then... As we said, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. So our only appropriate response, apparently, from this song, when God takes away things, when God sends evil, sends disaster our way, though he is not evil in and of himself, um, he sends those our way. Our only resp response can be worship. Think about Psalm 42, why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God, shall, so I shall praise him again, my, my salvation and my God. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Man, that's just those are just strong words. I never, so not only in the suffering aspect, but I didn't think it was okay to talk to God this way. Mm. That's another thing that strikes me about this song is the honesty. Though you ruin me. Still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. I'll, I'll conclude with this. Um, Though tonight I'm crying out, let this cup pass from me now. You're still all that I need. You're enough for me. You're enough for me. In, in the music of in the musical um, foundation of that part of the song, it really strips it back when it gets to you're enough for me. So it's it's going. Nice and full. Um, You're still all that I need. And then it has di the, the the musical term diamonds, the the Nashville term diamonds. Mm -hmm. You're enough. Chord mm -hmm. for me. Chord. Chord. It just hangs there. It makes you think you're enough for me. It just it just stops there and hangs. Mm -hmm. It's convicting, but it's also it's very worshipful singing about all that you've um, you've confessed beforehand. God, you've broken me. You've handed me all this, all these terrible things, but you're still my portion. You're my treasure. You're the thing that I need. You, you are my satisfaction in this life and in the future when I'll see you. So there's a whole lot more I could say about that song, guys, but that's kind of the essence of a song that wrecked me for good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And 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 I will say, you know, though, like you said, Josh, maybe your song is not a 
great congregational song now. I would say the same thing about mine. It's probably not the best for singing in church, but even still, the message of this song, I would say as far as it's influenced my ministry as a worship pastor, probably in my top five songs that have influenced how I view worship. Um, so this is a very profound song for me. Um, but I, I talked a lot. What do you guys, you guys have anything you want to add? Well, I would say um, that I, I knew this. It, it made me think of this situation with the lady that um, she's she's had a stroke and she's been bound to wheelchair since. Um, mm-hmm. And and that was uh, eight nine years ago. I, I don't know. It might have been more. Um, and I remember having a conversation with her one day in her office. Uh, we were actually talking about the hymn "I'd Rather Have Jesus mm-hmm. um, Than Silver or Gold," and she kind of posed the question of, um, "What if God took away all of your blessings?" Kind of like Job, mm-hmm. and um, or or what if just you never got anything more? You know, would Jesus be enough? enough? And she asked that question to me. Um, she was just pondering it. I think it was. It, it was just something that God was taking her through, which actually prepared her for for what um, was to come in her life. And it's a similar thing that's going on here. Um, you know, though you ruin me, still I will worship, sing a song to the one who's all I need. Um, there's no way that we can get to a place of knowing that mm-hmm. he is the God who is all we need, mm-hmm. unless sometimes everything else is taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, actually, while you were talking about it, I was also looking up some things, and I saw um, Lauren Chandler, mm-hmm. her blog post about this song, mm-hmm. um, and she has something that that is written on that page that says sometimes he rings, W-R-I-N-G-S, mm-hmm. rings the worship from our hearts. Mm, and I think that that's kind of what this is showing, you know, um, getting to the place where we say, in spirit and in truth, sing a song to the one who's all I need. Mm-hmm. So it's good. The first verse um, makes me stop every time. And I, I said before we started recording that I I kind of avoid this song. I don't <laughs> listen to it because it makes me so emotional. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that's you know always good. I think I need to face <laughs> the mm-hmm. emotions. But... It says, the one who's torn me apart, you struck down to bind me up. You say you do it all in love. And I have a really rare disease, and I'm in the hospital a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how often I look down at the um, like the IV or the mm-hmm. things they attach to my arms. And I think this is proof of God's love for me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sometimes I do, <laughs> and then other days I don't. But I think of... Um, of 2 Corinthians 4, um, says, We do not lose heart, Mm -hmm. though our outer self is wasting away. Mm -hmm. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I actually um, Mm -hmm. had a a big surgery two years ago, and I couldn't do much for myself. Um, And I put that verse in my hallway so that when my husband would help me go to the bathroom, I would see it. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember that it's light and momentary, you know, and it doesn't feel like momentary. It never feels light and momentary. (laughs) No, it it doesn't. It feels forever I, I think that 
the lessons I've learned from being sick are worth more to me than being healthy. And I, I was explaining that to my brother the other day because he was asking me how I was doing. And I told him, you know what, if you, if you said to me right now that you could take this away, that you would give me, you know, option A and B, mm-hmm. health or staying the same, I truly think I would choose to stay the same right. um, because of what God has done in my heart through being sick. And so um, this song is just a challenging thing for me that when I look down, because my, my disease affects my neck, my shoulders, and all of my arms into my hands, um, I think when I look down, I can be encouraged that this is proof of God's love. It's not... Um, some consequence or yeah. um, anything like that. <laughs> I can see that it's it's tangible proof of God's love for me. Man, how easily our minds tend to become one of Job's three friends in how we um, understand God's suffering. Well, Job, you're sinning because, or you, you're getting this suffering because you sinned somehow. You must have forgotten something. And obviously, Job wasn't perfect, and he knew that, <clears throat> but he was righteous and humble before the Lord, and and he was blameless, as as the word says. So it wasn't that. <laughs> and that's what Job was calling for God as his redeemer. He he would vindicate him one day, though it wouldn't be in the in the moment. Um, I was reading. So I'll conclude because we're getting close on time. But um, one thing I love doing in this season of life with with my son Daniel, who's three, we've been taking him through Kevin DeYoung's The Biggest Story. Storybook ever, t- or I can't even. Yeah, tell we him. did that with Mark. Yeah, this biggest story book ever told. Yeah. Storybook. I can't. <laughs> it's a confusing title, but one of uh, we were going through Job, and um, it was he 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 simplifies the language so that a you know a toddler to a ten year old could read it. But I had to take a picture and just highlight it, um, and it just hit me um, this last paragraph on that devotion on Job, um. God will turn around our suffering just like he did for Job, but he may not do it right away. Some of God's people suffer through many trials all through life. Even so, God promises to bless those who stay close to him. For some, the blessing comes soon. For for others, though, it comes in heaven. But for all of God's children, the best blessing is God himself. That's so good. Man, there's, I think, just with that song and, and others that we've talked about, uh, I won't go too much of a tangent here, but there has to be room in our church services and in our songs that we pick for people that are going through hard suffering and trials and tribulations. It's so easy to pick the happy, victorious, celebratory songs, and we should, um, but if we can't say things like this or Jesus, save your pilot me or precious Lord, take my hand or Dear refuge of my weary soul, um, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, but oh, when gloomy doubts prevail, these little snippets of if yeah. hymns, if we can, if we don't have room for those in, in our churches, then we're missing a huge ministry for people that are going through hard times. And I think that uh, that's a profound lesson for all of us. Any closing thoughts, guys? One more thing that um, as we were talking about suffering and stuff, um, I always think about Fanny Crosby saying, mm this um to her mom when her mom you know asked her about uh, being blind and stuff she said mother if i had a choice i would still choose to remain blind for when i die the first face i will ever see will be the face of my blessed savior 
Uh, it's it's similar to what <laughs> you, right. you know. We're 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 these things bring us to appreciate our Lord and Savior even more. Amen. That's a great place to stop. I think. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. We hope that this was edifying for you all and gives you a little glimpse into um, who each of us are and um, personalizes this podcast a little bit better. Um, Lord bless you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Sing the Word. If you're enjoying the content of this podcast, please subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast platform feel free to leave us a good rating too. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and other platforms as well. If you've got songs, questions, or discussions you'd like for us to explore in future episodes, please email those to seeingtheword316 at gmail.com. Again, that's seeingtheword316 at gmail.com. As we continue to improve and expand our platforms for this podcast, we'll be sure to keep you posted on things to come, Lord willing. Again, thank you for listening. Grace and peace.